0: In this episode, we'll continue our study of the book of Romans by looking at Romans chapter 14. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read beginning in verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servants of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day is better than another, while another esteems all days alike." So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes a brother to stumble. The faith you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. In the beginning of chapter 12, Paul told us that the most reasonable response to Jesus' good news is that we allow ourselves to be living sacrifices for God. In doing so, we would have a mind transformed by the Spirit of God. And since that point, he's been describing what that looks like practically in the life of an individual and the life of a church. And here in chapter 14, he pays special attention to the way that Christians treat one another and think toward each other. And here he pays special attention to the attitudes we have toward one another and our own freedoms in Christ and how we avoid being a stumbling block to those who are growing in the Lord. He starts off by discussing the way that we interact with people whose faith might not have developed as much as ours. Maybe they've not been on the journey as long, or maybe they're traveling at a slower pace. But the reality is Paul says that those whose faith is not fully developed still should be welcomed into the community of believers, and we shouldn't be drawing them in just to quarrel over our opinions. We shouldn't be bringing them in just to make them see things our way. Ultimately, for all of us, the goal is to see things God's way. Paul lets us know that those people that have experienced a transformation of their mind— Consider how their decisions affect others. There are those who are only worried about their freedom in Christ, the things that they're allowed to do. They're concerned about their rights. But here Paul says that it's very important that we take into account other people and how our actions and decisions affect them. When we take into account Paul's teaching here and some of the things he says to the church in Corinth and 1 Corinthians, we often spend more time talking about whether or not something violates our conscience. And that is the determination of whether or not it's wrong for me. And that if it does not violate my conscience, then I have the freedom to do that. I should let my conscience be my guide. The problem with that is that All by itself, our conscience not being violated isn't an indicator that something's okay. It may just mean that I have a weak conscience or I've not allowed God to shape my conscience so that it always agrees with him. So Paul tells us, if you violate your conscience, that's wrong. But even if it doesn't violate your conscience, you need to think about others around you and not cause them to stumble. You don't want to do anything that causes them to second-guess their faith or doubt. Uh, fall back into some type of sin. Most of us are pretty aware that if we're in the company of an alcoholic, it's not beneficial for us to drink in front of them. It may cause them to be triggered in a way that gets them off the wagon, that causes them to spiral into their alcoholism. But there are many other things in our lives that can have similar effects. That people coming out of a particular lifestyle may be triggered by our behavior and it causes them to lose faith, to give up on faith, or to turn their back on faith and begin again to practice the things of their former life. In context here, Paul is talking about the food that was being eaten by Jews and by Gentiles and days that were being observed by the Jews and by the Gentiles. For some Jewish Christians, honoring specific days as holidays, as days devoted to the Lord was very appropriate as the way they had been brought up it's, was ingrained in their tradition. But there were Gentiles who had no knowledge of those days, and they didn't see the need to participate. Paul said, either one of them is okay, as long as you're doing it for the Lord. When it comes to food, there were certain foods that Jews would always abstain from, while Gentiles indulged gladly. Even when it came to the different temples, to other gods and goddesses, these temples would sell the meat that had been sacrificed to an idol. And you might go to someone's house for dinner, and they're serving you meat that had been sacrificed to an idol. For some people, that had been such a part of their religious experience that Going to someone's house and knowing they were participating in that all over again may cause them to have conflicting thoughts about who God is and what God does and how to worship God. So Paul says, if your conscience is violated, don't do it. It would be sinful. If your conscience is okay with it, think about others. Think about how it affects them. I will note here that the passage does not say, Don't do anything that makes others think you have sinned. Paul here is talking about people who may be easily tempted to fall back into bad patterns of behavior and bad attitudes that would pull them further away from God rather than draw them closer to God. We don't want to participate in that. But there will always be people who look at us and think we're doing things wrong. We certainly have to handle those accusations with gentleness and respect. But we don't have to give up doing the right thing because other people tell us it's wrong, especially when that's not causing them to change their behavior at all. Paul here is talking about the influence we have on others that may be a corrupting influence, and we have to be aware of it. So those with a transformed mind consider how their decisions affect others. But Paul also lets us know that they will also see a bigger picture. This is not just about whether or not I'm right or wrong, or I can convince you to participate or not participate in a particular behavior. This is more about a healthy philosophy of life and of people that helps us interact with them in ways that build them up rather than tear them down, that carry us as a group closer to God rather than causing us to stall out or back up away from God. Paul says we're all in this together. We have to accept one another. We have to see that not everyone understands things exactly the same way. There is growth that needs to happen for that to come about. We read and practice Scripture together, and we, over time, develop a more common understanding. But at any given time, no group of people is in exactly the same place. Some still need to grow. Some have attitudes that need to change. But Paul says we have to accept one another if we're all going to grow together toward Christ. He's also encouraging us not to isolate ourselves by driving others away. If there are people who we disagree with and we keep pushing away everyone who does not agree with us on every single point of opinion or even how to apply the facts that we know, at some point we're going to be all by ourselves. In Christianity, since its inception, has been a religion of community, something that we do together because we're stronger together. Paul calls this acceptance of one another living for the Lord. It means that my goal is not to make you a copy of me, but allow each of us the space, the room, and the time to grow in the image of Christ. Let him be the Lord and sort those things out. Paul says that the kingdom of God is not about doing what I have to do the right way. It's about being the kind of person that God has called us to be. They imitate Christ in our attitudes. That will affect our actions, and that will give the space and time for all people to develop as Christ makes an impact on their lives. And that brings us to the third point that I want to call attention to. Paul lets us know that the transformed mind anticipates the work of God. He said in verse 20, do not, for the sake of food, destroy God's work. Don't do things that get in the way of what God's doing. Quit thinking you have to provide the outcome. You just do what God calls you to and let him provide the outcome. He lets us know that as we're dealing with weaker brothers, that there are some things we can do that are, actually as sinful or maybe more sinful than what we accuse them of doing. When we take actions that are not for the Lord, that misses the mark. That makes it about me or something else, and it's not about the Lord. And Paul says that's inappropriate. If I do anything in a way that causes a brother to stumble, that's sinful. I don't want to get between God and that person. I want to clear the path. I want to make the path straight so that they can easily get to God, but it's their choice. And so I don't do things that get in the way of that. I also have to be careful not to do things in spite of a brother. Sometimes when I'm convinced that I'm okay and you're wrong, I'm more concerned about being right than cultivating that relationship and understanding the root of their concern and maybe even coming to see that I'm the one that needs to make a change. I can't do things just because I'm convinced it's my right. But it's also sinful or gets in the way of God's work. When I'm doing things, I'm not fully convinced or appropriate. When I'm violating my own conscience. When I participate in any of these things, I, I'm guilty of getting in God's way. And Paul lets us know that that's a dangerous place to be because we will all stand before the Lord and have to give an account of ourselves before him. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.